all the time to keep you off my mind. Whoa, 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 spend my days locked in a haze trying to forget you, babe. Whoa, well, <laughs> that's amateur pilot Tovlo, and if it's what I imagine goes through the head of a lovesick squirrel as he stashes his nuts in an exhaust vent high above the Gowana's scrapyard, then this must be Dale Radio. And I, of course, am your host, Dale Seaver, and you're listening to another episode of Some Things I Enjoy, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the mighty Gowani. Oh, I mixed it up a little for you there. <laughs> Isn't it fun to try new things? We try to get baby Pepsi to eat new foods, like pizza or vegetables, but she just clings to what she knows. Egg noodles and Kit Kats. That's most of her diet. Luckily, uh, Katrina, my niece, her mother, sets a good example for her. She enjoys candy apples and boxes of Cheez-Its. I bet if they made a candy apple coated in Cheez-Its, she'd try it. <laughs> I, I think some people would get a kick out of that. Me, I'm not a, I'm not one of these people that enjoys the cheese on the apple pie. I'm fine if that's your thing. It's just not going to be our thing. And uh, I won't let, it, let, let that tear us apart, though. Don't worry. Because as you get older, you need to hold on to your friendships and your relationships. They become even more valuable to you. And I value you, the Dale Radio listener. And our relationship is very important to me. Me, I'm out here navigating a path away from past failures and on to a brighter tomorrow and checking in with various other talented people who are also on a journey. And at the risk of making this sound too much like The Bachelor, we're all in this for the right reasons. We have to be. And not all of us uh, can be on helicopters or having a heart-to-heart with uh, the very wise Chris Harrison in a penultimate check-in episode wherein we reveal some juicy backstage drama in front of a mostly female, possibly drug studio audience. But all of us, all of us, we're all pushing forward. Aren't we trying to get ahead in whatever field that might be? Now, they just had a marathon here in New York. I finished in just under 48 hours, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. Probably the stopping for meals uh, three times a day slowed me down a bit. But it's New York City. There's so many great restaurants here. You have to take advantage of it. And the subway is so convenient, ladies and gentlemen. New York, check it out. Anyway, uh, you talk about running a long-distance race, and that's what I am talking about. That's what this uh, fame-chasing is like. And I, I just, I'm not sure if I'm even interested in chasing that uh, at this point in my life. I'm not sure what's going on, to be honest with you. But because I value us, you and me, like two lovers stranded in LaGuardia, heading someplace but not sure when or how we might get there, staring at that weird chicken wing screen near the bathrooms in Terminal B and hoping not to run into an ex-girlfriend in line at Auntie Anne's pretzels. By the way, I lived most of my life thinking that was Auntie Annie's pretzels. And maybe that is how you pronounce it. I don't know. That's how I've always learned it. But when you look at it, it's it's Auntie Anne's. And I just realized that when I was sitting there for hours waiting for Southwest, which is a terrible... I'm too old for Southwest. When you get to a certain age, you're too old to be corralled into uh, next to stanchions and told when to go on despite having... We all paid the... I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. It, it almost broke me. Combine that with uh, everything that's going on in LaGuardia. It's a recipe uh, uh, for, for somebody to snap. But my whole perception, once I realized this thing about Auntie Anne's, Auntie Anne's, that must be how some people think of it. My whole perception of who Anne is has changed. 
I have a very clear picture of a sweet Mennonite Annie just back from her quilting bee. She gets out of the buggy one leg at a time, and she thinks to herself, I could go for a pretzel. I think I'll whip one up, and then I'm going to dip it in butter and then roll it in cinnamon. Then I'll sell it at the mall. Now, I gather the actual story of Anne is, it is quite tragic. She was Amish Mennonite, and she lost her daughter, I guess, in a car accident something. I don't know. What was she doing in a car? I don't know. Maybe this was Rumspring had gone bad. It happens, I gather. But then uh, she found some solace in the making of pretzels. Who doesn't? I always eat to feel better. That's why my suit is so tight these days, and lack of exercise, and depression probably. But let's get back to Anne. So she builds this business, and it goes gangbusters. Then somebody steals the recipe, can you imagine? So she hires lawyers, and then it gets better. It always gets better when you get the lawyers involved. And so some people, uh, they don't remember this, but early Auntie Anne's locations were staffed by Mennonite ladies. That was part of the appeal. It's why I even knew it was a thing. Because I said, look at these Mennonite gals in their bonnets and their blue. I think I'll head over there and see what's so You had to wait in line. People actually waited in line for those pretzels. I flirt with becoming Amish sometimes. I do. Clothing seems easy. Backwards customs seems hard. Not the most progressive stance on diversity, probably. But if you could retire Amish, that probably that would appeal, right? Like a senior home full of shoe fly pie and unpainted furniture. I mean, that's what what being retired is all about, isn't it? Inventing projects to keep from dying. So uh, (laughs) that's where I am right now. Now, listen, I'll tell you something else about where I am right now. You hear that noise? Every night now, I have to watch these garbage trucks. As they, every morning, all the time, I look out at these garbage trucks. And they, they sit there and they idle and they honk and they throw the trash in the middle of the road for at some point to pick it up. I'm telling you, this is why I'm having some doubts about what's going on for me. I know some of you are doing okay, and some of you think I sound like I'm doing okay, but I have to look at these garbage trucks. And then I'm trying to do a top-quality show for you, and we have to listen to this uh, honking out there. Now you say, well, Dale, they're recycling trucks. Doesn't that make it better? No, it doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it better for me. I don't know what will is what I'm saying. (laughs) By the way, I'm bearing the podcast tonight with a Balvini 12-year double wood. We'll have a sip of that. That's the ones you get at first in whatever kind of oak cask they have, and then they put it into the sherry cask. And uh, some that sherry finish, oh, boy, that is something. It's, it's, it's sweet a little bit, not too smoky. I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites. So where am I right now? Other than watching as the helicopters and the garbage trucks circle around the port of New York. Well, uh, you know, I had the, the other night, I had the pleasure, the absolute pleasure of sitting in with the Running Late with Scott Rogowski program over there. They do it right on the Gowanus, so it's a natural fit for me. And um, if you don't know, I did a couple of guest spots on the show over the last year, and Scott was on, on this show. He, he did great, and he's a good kid, going to turn 30 someday. Well, his father is who usually sits there as the as the sidekick, Marty. And Marty is sweet, but let's face it, not a lot going on upstairs. <laughs> and I gather he loves baseball because he was on this particular cold October night uh, out in Arizona watching some kind of maybe the World Series. I don't know. Maybe it was with some pals or something. It looked like he was in a hotel room, the video that they shot. I don't, perhaps he needed the higher elevation or the, the desert air. Is it higher? 
I'm not sure that it's higher, folks. I don't know. I don't know a lot about topography. That is not my area of expertise. But, you know, a lot of times in the olden days, probably uh, when Marty was a boy, if something had, had gone wrong, you had to take him out to the desert instead of being uh, having to sit with an iron lung or something. You, you know, Well, you got to get out to the desert air. So maybe that's what was going on. I wish that I could live in that time when the cure was simply j- just get different air. Let's just switch out the air. But he's out there, and I was able to slide over from guest host, uh, uh, guest, not guest host. You see what I said there? I used to host that program a long time ago. But the point is, uh, from, from, from guest, from featured guest, featured player, I was able to slide from that, make a literal lateral move into a sidekick position. Pretty great. That's a pretty great thing to do. And I got to say, middle couch is my sweet spot. It's a great place uh, for me to be. You got the host, whoever the guest is, and then you got me, Dale, sitting in, cracking wise. That's why I love Andy Richter so much. And Scott even said in an email to me, he said, uh, be like Andy Richter because he's the best in the business. I said, you are absolutely right, my friend, and truly even better than Ed McMahon was. Andy Richter on Conan is perfect. I thought so when that show first began in 1993. I said, Conan, who? (laughs) I want more Andy. And uh, many others agreed with me, and I don't know what happened. Maybe he he got let that get to him, and he went off and he had his own show on Fox or something. It didn't sail, and he came back. And I'm both enchanted by his tale, and I'm worried about it. What if middle couch is the best that I can do? I mean, I'm great at it, but what if my destiny is that and that's it? I don't want to have to have a failed sitcom on Fox, but speaking of which, speaking of which, uh, uh, check out our pal Sheaton Smith. He's some kind of a roommate, an unusual roommate character on the new program, Mulaney. And we love seeing our past guests thrive, even if that show seems like it might be doomed. I, don't, I hope not. I hope that they turn it around, but... Um, I have no idea what's happening. The jokes just go out into the air and they drop live in front of a studio audience. But listen, Lauren is going to fix it. Lauren Michaels is in charge, so he knows what he's doing. And I, I wish them all the best because I love Martin Short. And I love I love watching uh, talented people do something. And I'd like to see them uh, do it um, and, get, and, and find a great audience for that. Anyway, I also uh, recently, this on this middle couch thing, this is all going to get somewhere, folks. But uh, I recently went up to uh, uh, Quin- Quinnipiac University, Porky Pig's favorite university, Quinnipiac, and uh, you know them from their great polls that they do. Of course, it's Election Day around now, so uh, you will have have seen many of their polls. You're familiar with their work, um, and uh, wasn't that a great result? Anyhow, they're up there in Connecticut, and I went to there for another round of literary death match. And I, there I was in the student union, they pretty well funded, I think, up there, because that was a heck of a place. And uh, they had some kind of literary journal class and uh, uh, kind of thing. So there I was in the uh, middle simulacrum of a couch. It was just some chairs pushed together. It was not a proper couch, but you, you knew, I knew what they were trying to do. And uh, you could hear a kid singing folk music down by the fireplace. That's the kind of place this was, uh, <laughs> next to a study hall. An ideal setup for a show, by the way. If I could do all my shows like that, I would. But um, regardless, I did so well there in the middle. It was just perfect. I got big laughs, and 
one of the things that happened, I'm giving you some backstage showbiz stuff here. I changed into my show suit because I couldn't travel on Metro, Metro North wearing my show suit. So I, I get into that in the men's room, and they had one of those auto flushers. And it just kept going on. I'm in the stall there because there's no proper dressing room in the, in the study lounge. <clears throat> and the, the, the flusher just keep going off as I'm taking off my pants and putting my street clothes back. <laughs> the kid next to me asked if I was all right. I, I didn't. It was a great gig. It was a great gig to go up there and do. So I go on this Rogowski thing. And just like most of the shows the last couple of weeks, the turnout, it, it, it could have been better. Let's just say that. Now, Scott was more upset about it than I was because at this point, the podcast goes out to so many great listeners across the country and indeed across the world that I know that the live shows, they're more of a treat for me than anyone else. But they are a treat. They are a fun time. I'm fun as a voice, but I'm really fun as a person in front of you or even to your side. I'm fun. That's what I'm saying. So Scott was lamenting the 20 or 30 people that came out to fill a 300-seat venue. And I'm telling him, don't worry. Keep doing it. Believe me. I mean, I've done shows for two people, and one of those persons has been a guest and the other a family member. This is what it's like. You think that they you say, whoa, Dale, it looks like your shows are doing great. Well, it's okay. I still need people to come out to the shows. As somebody said, well, you don't need audiences now, do you? What are you talking about? <laughs> of course I do. Please. I'm begging you. But... Uh, <laughs> I said, don't worry, keep doing it to Scott, because that's what Mary Lou Metzger, the Lawrence Welk program, told me, because I said, well, we have any advice for young people. She said, well, Lawrence used to always say, don't, don't stop doing it. So whenever I flirt with ending this, and I think of that, and I say, Dale, get back on that horse and keep riding, because if the horse runs away, you're going to have to forage, and you're not a forager, Dale, you're not. You can adapt, you can do well in new social situations, but you're in the middle of the desert here, old-timer, and you have no sunscreen, and you get trembly when you don't eat. <laughs> you want to get, get where you're going, and you can't be out wandering in the scrub pines and underbrush. you got to mount a steed and ride it. Ride it, Dale, and I hear that rugged inner voice, and I wonder, my goodness, he sounds handsome. <laughs> and where were you during my marriage, and would it be easier if I had a clear goal? Sure, we're going somewhere, out there into the sunset something, but lots of people, they don't make it out there. Lots fought Apache warriors. Lots died of dysentery. I play that Oregon Trail game. A lot of people talk about that computer game. I played that game twice and was so uninterested in virtual settlers that I gave up entirely and instead took advanced typing. Typing, ladies and gentlemen, that's fun for a kid. I'm wondering, I guess, if I have too much of a practical side to ever make it in this business. That's at the heart of this, I think. Listen, when I bought Little Barry, my 1989 Chrysler LeBaron, I, I could have bought a Corvette, or I could have bought a Dodge Caravan. Now, while the Caravan would have given, would have given Ginny uh, and I more space to carry her outfits and my steamer trunks full of bald spot wigs and vintage tie racks, and the Corvette would have been a faster way to get from Tempe to Tampa. That was our show circuit. Quite a distance we had to travel there, folks. Uh, uh, because because uh, I ended up just going right up the middle. That's what I'm saying. Right, right for that sweet, reliable LeBaron from Lee Iacocca. Because I trusted his business sense, and I thought, sporty, but not too sporty. Also, it sounded like it was an aristocracy, and I've always wished to live in a castle. I was Seaver LeBaron when I drove that. Also the name of my Siamese fighting fish. 
Incidentally, a lousy fighter. But the point is, I don't take many chances with this show. I keep wanting it to work. I keep thinking that if I just make a decent product, invest in some better mics, get some great guests, that people will find it and figure out that what we're doing here is is something. It's got to be something, right? And so many of you uh, have told me that it is, that it means something to you. I get the letters and uh, the the special items via post that you send to me and the many email messages and uh, 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 tweets and that kind of thing. It encourages me. Don't, don't stop doing that. <laughs> I mean, really. It encourages me to no end. Or maybe I, may, no end yet. I don't, it might end. I'm not sure. What I do know is that we have been having an amazing season seven so far. And if you put off listening to some of those back episodes just of this season, I encourage you to check them out. Despite the feeling of this moment, this uncertainty that you sense in my voice, no doubt, perhaps it's the alcohol. The place I usually uh, get pizza for lunch closed today, so I'm a little more unmoored uh, than, than I tend to be. But even with all this going on and the many pressures out in the world, we all face them. This season has had terrific moments, and I I, I hope that you're not missing them. Last season, I will admit that I got a little blue. I'm not raunchy, but I got a little sadder than usual. I went down a kind of rabbit hole of loss. That's where some of the guests were were going. That's where they were talking about some things. And so uh, uh, just by chance, by instinct, I went along with that, and we talked a lot about uh, lost. That's real. That's fine. That is something that I carry with me, and sometimes you got to follow it and see where it goes. But this season, I, I'm generally, honestly, having more fun with <laughs> with the show. Uh, I always have fun doing it. I love being in front of people or just in your ears. I love all of that stuff. Uh, but um, this season, I've got to talk to some people who are, are, are really some of all along, all along with this program, I've talked to people who I think are doing wonderful work and who I admire greatly. And my guests so far have all challenged me to get into some new areas and have all given as well as they take. Who know I'd be talking about Gamergate? I had no idea. But uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, again, a little just a glimpse into what happens over here in the Dale HQ and the, and the mindscape of me. The first show of this season, it was supposed to have an entirely different lineup, so that rattled me. I got great people on short notice, and I thank all of them. I, I love them all. They were great. But this is what ha- you get four out of five special guests canceled at the last minute. It makes you think, oh, well, what's going on? And uh, I was able to reach some press folks in advance, so there was not a lot of misinformation out there. That can be bad if somebody shows up thinking they're going to see somebody else. But um, people, I think, knew what they were getting. I didn't know what I was getting. (laughs) That's why I was rattled, because, of course, I researched everybody so deeply and so intensely in my journalistic approach to these interviews. I think you can tell that I go pretty deep when I ask somebody where they grew up. But... uh, (laughs) I try not to do that anymore. I try to just know where they've grown up, and then you'd, uh, I don't have to take up valuable time asking. <laughs> anyway, you know, here's something that you may or may not know about me. I spent a lot of time producing the shows when uh, when it was me and Ginny. I handled a lot of that kind of uh, tech interface and uh, making booking the venues and talking to people and getting the posters made and making sure the lights cues were all rehearsed. And I made some other things happen for some other talented individuals out there on the West Coast. So when I'm up performing and the lighting is off or the sound is doing echoey things or or, or, or honking or buzzing, uh, the producer in me is flipping out. 
You don't see it, I hope, when I'm on stage. But I'm feeling it. What does it smell like in here? Is my audience comfortable? Please let the tech person correct this awful lighting. Did they even run the slides I made? So sometimes I'll be up doing the show and I'm noticing these things as they're happening. And again, I hope they are invisible to the studio audience and certainly usually unnoticed by you, the listener. It gets to me, and it undermines my confidence as a performer. I like producing, but wearing two hats is difficult. That said, you say, well, Dale, get, an, get somebody, get a producer in on the show. Well, you know, I've had that. I've had some people come in and try and help and tinker and do this, and there's just not a lot for them to do is how I feel. Maybe that, maybe that's wrong, but, uh, you know, it's, it's having this competent team in place all across the board. And, and sometimes I just think that's going to happen later down the line, so I, don't, I try not to worry about it too much. And, you know, I mean, I've had artistic advisors and that kind of thing, and it's, it's great that people want to help, but uh, it just doesn't always go the way that I think it's going to go. Or we end up talking about ways that it can be improved and this kind of thing, and I'm trying to just get to that perfect show, just to have that per- And I tell you, we came close to this last one. The last live show was a really a, a wonderful time. And I think many of the recent live ones have been uh, uh, pretty great. I love all of them for their own reasons, but uh, sometimes when I can just not not worry about some of these producing things. But I do think that once we get into some place, I don't want to talk about the future of the show because I think I I know we're going to be farther away from trucks. <laughs> I'm gonna insist upon that. I don't know if you can hear it at all, but for me, it's just it, that's that's what I'm talking about. I'll be doing it perfectly. I'll be thinking about something, wanting to convey it to you, and then I hear this truck, and I think, well, I got to throw this whole thing out. I gotta I gotta try and reconstruct this. I gotta go in there and edit with audacity and do some noise removal to make everything sound digital, like we're all chipmunks. I'm not gonna do it. You're gonna have to take it. You're gonna have to enjoy it with the trucks and everything. Because, listen, nothing's perfect. It's like a Persian rug. Leave a little loophole uh, uh, in there so you have some place to go. But you talk about realizing the show to the fullest extent, and I'm talking about wouldn't it be great to have a glittering curtain and some, some top-quality uh, video projection, a little bit better devices to record, maybe a, a fuller band. That's what I like to see happen. I like for this little basement thing to just become more visually interesting, more appealing for an audience. Beyond the interviews and the guests, it doesn't have to be a TV talk show. Everybody says, Dale, what do you want to do? You want to have a TV talk show. I don't think that I really need to have that. It's not necessarily my scene. That becomes something else for someone else. And I want to have this. My experience is reflected in every aspect of the show, like you're walking inside my head, like I'm trapped in your mirror, which is also secretly an ancient gateway to an alternate reality, and I can teleport you at will to my world for a couple of hours, charging you a reasonable price, like $8 if you buy online in advance, and then blorp, that's the sound of the gateway, back to your own daily business of waiting for the G train on a Sunday. It's not going to come. It's not going to come. But that's that's your life. You're up to it. It's up to you. The choices that you make. The point is you had a great time when you were with me. <laughs> That's what I see for. You know, they say you have to have goals, clear goals. Well, what if you don't? What if you know what you want to do, but even after all this time in the spotlight, you're unsure? What about us fuzzy people out here? Do I need a vision board, ladies and gentlemen, is what I'm asking. I don't know. I recently spoke to a web content producer. Now, 30 years ago, that meant you were a spider. 
Anyway, this gal said, I'd love to work with you. Shoot a web series on your phone about a single topic. Then we'll see what we can do. And I agonized over that invitation all summer. I don't have one thing I feel passionate enough about to focus on. I've always been a generalist. When I look at drawing classes, or when I took drawing classes, rather, you know, I was always good at getting the gesture the way somebody was standing. But then you get into the nitty-gritty details, and I don't know what happened. Either I get distracted, or to me the scale is off, or something wasn't working. And it just, it all fell apart. It just crumbled. And I think that's why I like theater more than I like being on film or some of these other things, because there's this distance. But the immediacy is still there. And it's a little blurry. I mean, you don't see the seams of my shirt when we're in the theater. But you can become distracted by that when it's on film. And I just want to be in the room with you. That's it. Not reporting on any one aspect of what we are, uh, you know, doing. Dale on shampoo reviews. I mean, what's that supposed to be? I like Dave. It sounds actually pretty good now that, <laughs> now that I'm saying it to you. Would you like that? Beauty products reviewed by me? Hair care for men? I don't know. I like that David Lynch reads the weather, but I'm not about to give you a Gowanus report. You want to know what the report is? It stinks, okay? It's always going to stink. They can build however many condos they want. It's going to smell bad. Otherwise, what do you want to know about it? It's gentrifying. You've got a ton of people covering that. Okay, uh, who am I? I don't have a, a real clear opinion on that. I'm happy that you can walk and get a nice burger over there. If you put a, a, a clothespin over your nose, it's not that bad. I'll go to a beer garden on a roof. I don't. It's fine with me. I'm here to tell you about me and how we might be alike and how being creative in the world and moving forward despite obstacles and crises of confidence that erode the will to continue, uh, 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 how that can be okay. You know, how you do that. How to live creatively. <laughs> is that something? I don't know. Is that what you get from this, or is it just a portrait of sadness? Nobody knows. You know. You might know. That's why I'm asking. I don't know. I'm worried that listening to this now is like watching people make out in public. You don't want anything to do with it. I'm always a little glad that it happens, to be honest. <laughs> I'd be okay if it happened to me. Any affection would be terrific. Just to feel human contact again, a warm embrace would be lovely. Showbiz is full of needy people, ladies and gentlemen. Now, here's some things that I enjoyed this week. Five things in no particular order. Because let's focus on that. That's what the show uh, always started out to be, is here's some things that I enjoy. And so I'm going to share uh, some of these with you now, because I still enjoy them. This is all from this week. Here's some things. Uh, old guy dressed in a Nixon mask, handing out candy on a stoop in Brooklyn Heights. Kids love that kind of edgy comedy, man. He bought one mask in 1973, and he hasn't looked back. <laughs> this old thing. Falling off his face. I bet my George H.W. Bush mask is going to be hilarious in 2024. To the kids dressed as Ninja Turtles, he was just dressed as an old guy. He didn't need the mask, folks. He would have been the same. They would not have known any difference. It's like, oh, your dressing is what you are already. Good for you. Uh, next up, Amber Nelson, who was on the show. Uh, a couple of highlights from that show, but Amber Nelson, she suggested that we need a modern update on Wings, the television program, and imagining a, a post-9-11 airport comedy, or dramedy as the case might be, was a highlight of the last episode. Go back and find it. We had, we had a lot of fun. I, that was some genuine laughter, and um, I'm going to make this a twofer, but uh, uh, singing a little duet with... Uh, 
Leslie Goshko with a, a Different Strokes theme. Also just delightful. I haven't sung too many duets on the show, but uh, that was a, another nice one. Uh, next up, there was an article that I saw here that um, uh, Amazons were real, that they exist, like Wonder Woman's Amazons from Paradise I- Island, not the bookseller that also sells wart medicine. It's no big deal if you think about it now to just type in some random item and expect Amazon to have it. But a few years back, if you went into a Barnes & Noble and you, you asked the clerk for comfortable men's underwear or a universal remote... <laughs> You'll be laughed out of the store. Hello, I'm in need of a plunger. But you'd be guided to some low wooden shelf to where they keep the Bob Vila books. <laughs> anyway, so yes, the Amazons were real, and they invented trousers. They invented trousers. Just think about it. If they did nothing else, if they did nothing else, they invented trousers. How about that? Thank you, gals. They smoked a lot of weed, apparently, like by the baleful, just a haystack worth of weed thrown on a fire, and they all just get lit. And they had tattoos of animals. It sounds to me like the artist commune I used to live in back in Oakland, California, or the weird sex cult I dropped in on upstate Vermont one trip. Anyhow, uh, how awesome is it that Wonder Woman was basically uh, almost real? Could have happened. If they could have figured out invisible jet technology... (laughs) It'd probably have been better remembered. But now I will think of fierce women warriors every time I put on my slacks. So that's got to be worth something. And, uh, ah, yes, uh, Day of the Dead. So much better than Halloween. So many variations on skeleton faces. Let's do that instead of Power Rangers. Because baby Pepsi wanted to be a kid from Harry Potter. That meant that since she's really too young to be watching Harry Potter, we have to explain who she is and what she is to everybody. So I agree to suit up as aging Harry himself, Harry Potter, and uh, just to give the kids, I talk like that all night, to give the kids some context, complete with a very realistic-looking head scar in the shape of a lightning bolt. Now, I have extensive makeup training for my time in drag in Minneapolis, but uh, more on that some other time. Time got away from me, uh, speaking of time, and the first uh, Gryffindor cloak that I saw was 40 bucks. And I looked at it, and I said, you know, this is going to be too small. I don't want to be you know, stifled into some wizarding cloak uh, for a couple of hours for a block party. So I thought I'd run up to the comprehensive but expensive year-round costume place up there on, uh, uh, what is it, West 4th or wherever it is up there, East 4th, anyhow, uh, uh, up past uh, Astor Place up there because uh, I thought, well, they they would have... They would have everything I need in my size. I'd get a sweet-looking wand, and I'd just be done. Because, really, you need this scarf, too. That's a key part of it. Well, I got there early, thinking I'd beat the crowds, but no. Here's what you need to know about Halloween in New York City. Everybody takes it way too seriously, and everybody waits to the last minute. And I spent 100 people in that line. And it's Halloween day. And the store was, was, it was for some reason, taking their time opening. They said posted extra hours, 10 o'clock. Well, by 10.30, there were 200 people in line. It went all the way around the, uh, around the block. I said, forget it. I forget it. And I said that out loud right there on the street. And I called Katrina. I said, listen, can you go back to that place for that original cloak? And it turns out they were all sold out. I can't get a Slytherin cloak when I need to be Gryffindor. That defeats the purpose. But they did have a $25 for a scarf in the the proper colors of the yellow and maroon or gold and garnet, whatever they call it. So she went for it. And I tell you, kids genuinely thought I was a grown-up Harry Potter. (laughs) 
I'm used to getting the Elvis Costello looks, but I had a pic- I pictures taken with, with children say, we're on book four, and they would all be yelling, Mom, Mom, it's Harry. And I gave them a little, I, first of all, I said, hey, who are you calling Harry, which they loved. They loved those. I gave them a little Asperiamus with my wand, and we just had a great time. Now, when I, I want you, and when I say I gave the kids a little Asperiamus with my wand, don't, don't take it into a, a dirty place. That's, just, that's, what he has, that's what he says. That's, le- that's just the legit wizard speak. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we could have all just been skeletons is what, I, what my point was, and it would have been fine. We don't need to have sexy cheeseburgers or whatever they're selling to 200 people standing in line for four hours. Listen, that many people voted <laughs> in the midterms. We wouldn't be in this mess. Oh, that feels like a joke from Harry Shearer's Le Show on NPR. Does anybody listen to that? Anybody? Speaking of a good 15-minute bit on Nixon, he's your guy. <laughs> he's got it. He's got a lot of thoughts, and he wants to make sure that you're still keeping him present in your mind. And finally, coming back to airports, because I've been in so many of them at late, it doesn't take much to be the greatest airport in the world, and it takes absolutely nothing to be better than LaGuardia. I've been to so... <laughs> So many fine transport hubs all over. Amsterdam, London, Paris, the International Terminal in San Francisco, pre-9-11, when you could just go there for uh, top-quality sushi or a juicy burger. But New Orleans won the competition this month because of a simple item that they have for sale. You probably know it. Beignets. Sweet, delicious, powdered sugar-covered beignets. And you ask for one at the counter, and the lady rolls her eyes. And then she rings you up for three because you can't get less than three. You can't get less than three beignets at the New Orleans airport. That's what heaven's like, being uh, forced to eat three. (laughs) Even though your Russian taxi driver who took you to the airport wants to talk about the inevitability of becoming an immortal being through cellular manipulation and you're feeling queasy in the backseat from too much crawfish gumbo for breakfast. When you get to the airport and you're forced to eat three beignets, you realize that it truly is a place of evil and goodness intertwined. It's God's battleground, a place for sin and redemption. New Orleans Airport is perfect. I guarantee it. (laughs) How about that? That's the stuff I enjoy. That's what's coming down the pike. And those are some feelings that I'm having at the moment. And I just, I appreciate uh, you listening and letting me uh, tell you about some of those things. Well, I'm not, I'm not certain where this is all headed, but I've got some uh, great shows lined up for you. Some terrific guests coming on the program. Then once we get into January, things pick up again and we'll do the live shows. So I think it's just a moment of reflection for me. And I appreciate, uh, again, you, you, you sticking with it. And please, uh, if, you, if you listen to the show uh, on iTunes, if you listen to it on Stitcher, wherever, SoundCloud, just, just uh, rate it, review it, share it that way. Spread it if you can. Because at this point, uh, uh, we're reaching a sort of internal clock for myself where I say, well, maybe I should uh, just buy a place upstate. So uh, anyway, here's a couple of upcoming shows that you should know about and come out to and say hello. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm doing uh, uh, Andy Ross's Real Character Show. I don't know if he's announced this or not, but I'm going to do it uh, in one form or another. Uh, So look for me or look for my producer, uh, James, over there at uh, McNally Jackson, the bookstore, on Wednesday, November 12th. It's in the basement, but it's a nice one. Uh, Come on down. It's free. 
and there'll surely be some other great people on the bill, and I hope that I'm not ruining anything by telling you uh, that I will be there. Uh, then on Friday, November 14th, I'm hosting the Character Slam that kicks off the 2014, I, that's my word for it, I don't know what they're calling it, but it kicks off the uh, 2014 Solo Com, Solo Comedy Festival, and that's back at our uh, old stomping grounds there, the pit, in our uh, current stomping grounds uh, in New York City. And then on the following night at 8.50, that's the sweet time, 8.50, what time is your show? 8.50. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm nervous about this one. I'm on the lineup of all the great uh, solo comedy shows during SoloCom, uh, doing my own bit of business, something I'm calling Dale Seaver's The Comb-Over, covering what matters. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I legitimately do not know. But it's going to be an hour of me sharing stories, much like uh, what happened on this uh, episode, only uh, in person and probably more confident. <laughs> So watch out. It's going to be something. And uh, I'm going to just try and transform myself into many different characters using just colorful scarves and some hats. Isn't that what a solo festival is all about? God, theater. The theater is uh, its own reward. Oh, that's good. Uh, tickets are available online at thepit-nyc.com for just $5, and that gets you uh, into the whole evening, I think, uh, there. So, But uh, read up on that. As I said, we're on holiday hiatus for a bit, though we'll still have some weekly shows running throughout the rest of the year and uh, with some great interviews coming up, so I hope you'll, you'll tune back, and it won't all just be me rambling. <laughs> I promise, but, you know, some people request these solo shows. They, are, they honestly do. Three of you do, so I'm giving it to you, and I hope you enjoy it. Tell your friends. Uh, uh, yeah, so we'll have the weekly ones, and then we're back. Oh, January 10th in the afternoon, 1 p.m. Again, I'm booking the best times. I don't see why this isn't finding an audience. <laughs> January 10th at 1 p.m., 1 to 2 p.m., we're going to kick off the weekend activities at the New York City Pod Fest. I'm happy to be coming back to this festival from last year. So many great things came from it last time. Uh, get tickets too for that because it's uh, not a lot of people. Uh, not a lot of it doesn't fit a lot of people, and they tend to sell out quick over there. That's going to be at Fontana's Bar in the Lower East Side. So kick off the new year and kick off uh, a weekend at the New York City Pod Fest, January 10th. All right. Well, that's that. That'll do. Don't, I think. I think that's enough here. So, uh, till next time, I'll be whispering my darkest desires and hopes into an empty whiskey bottle and tossing it into the turtle pond in Central Park in hopes that dreams really do come true. Now, let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is produced and performed by James Bewley. Musical direction by Steve O'Reilly. Season 7 podcast theme composed and performed by Emily Danger. Season 7 podcast icon designed by illustrator Louis Chin. Posters for Season 7 have been designed by Claire Prouse and Annie Carbo, among others. Logo treatment by Daniel Spencer. Live shows of Dale Radio happen the last Wednesday of every month at the Pit in New York City. Dale Radio is available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. If you listen on any of those platforms, please be sure to rate and review us leave us a comment follow Dale on Twitter at Dale Radio or on Instagram at Dale Seaver or on Facebook or perhaps some other social media platforms uh, that you enjoy thank you for listening as always you're the best <laughs>